soteriology. It's the study, the science of salvation. And that's our topic today as we continue our study on Life Talks of Theology 101. My name is Dan. I'm with Ben. We're the teaching pastors at Life Fellowship in suburban Charlotte, North Carolina. Ben, I taught this uh, this topic, this course, several years ago in Vietnam mm. uh, with uh, to, to some pastors all over. And when you think about the doctrine of salvation, well, that's pretty simple, right? Grace, are you saved through faith? But it's it, deep. Oh, man. It, it is it, I mean, in some ways, it is simple because a five-year-old can understand it. Yes. But it is so deep that it takes scholars a lifetime to write about it. Yeah. So, I mean— And it's going to take us more than one episode totally, to get through this. So, 100%. By the way, before we get started on soteriology, we recorded two episodes on sin without you. And so I want to know what your thoughts are about sin. I'm against it. <laughs> Opposed. <laughs> and I'm very good at it. <laughs> Which I probably shouldn't joke about. And I'm going to get letters of Pastor Dan. Pastor We're all good at Dan it. Is we talked about total depravity. How can they yeah. get mad at him saying? Yeah, well, Dan they, making light of sin. Yes, I see it. Yeah, here we go. He's such a horrible <laughs> pastor. No, but, I mean, we we just talked about how everyone sins. But one of the interesting things that we – I know we're going to take up – we're just taking up more time. One of the things we talked about how we went from a – when I was growing up to tearing down the Judeo-Christian worldview of sin, mm-hmm. you know, moving towards moral re- relativism. And now in the, the absence of a moral absolute, they have created a moral absolute on, on, you know, the secular mo- morality. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and the, the other thing too is um, it's very hard, difficult to have a conversation about sin in today's culture because they're so concerned about tolerance or being non-judgmental. Yeah. And, you know, sin is a dividing issue. It separates us from God. It has to be dealt with. Right. Repentance is a painful process. When you start dealing with these implications, um, yeah, it's for grown-ups. It's a, it's, it's an important topic. Yeah. And I think we I think we have weakened Christianity and evangelicalism substantially because of our refusal to continue to confront it. But okay. but that was I, last episode. I, just, I know, but I just <laughs> you I love what you have to say about things. And so I just wanted to hear what you had oh, to say. So, so nice. anyway, so now we can, pastor. that was kind of like the, um, kind of like the, the preview and now we're into salvation. Okay. So, 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 soteriology, yeah. uh, it, it comes from the, the Greek word soteria, uh, mm-hmm. which deals with salvation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> the, there are some complexities to it. We're going to get into yeah. the various, um, you know, the etymology and, and you know, just the dictionary of terms yeah. that apply to it. But before we do that, let's let's kind of go to, you know, some things that you would argue are key to just a grasp of soteriology. I mean, I think you have to, this is where a lot of these things that we've talked about, right? You have the doctrine of God. You have the doctrine of Jesus, Christology. You have the doctrine of of man, you have the doctrine of sin, you have the doctrine of the the Holy Spirit. All of these now are going to come together and say, because of man's nature, because of God's God's nature, because of the work of Jesus, because of the work of the Holy Spirit, the reality of sin, all of these are now coming together and saying, how do all of these forces come together to work out salvation for the, because man has sinned. We have rebelled against God. How does God redeem and restore and renew the world and creation and humanity that he has, that he's, that he loves? So I think that there's a, um, soteriology is a culmination of all these things. Um, So yes, there is a lot to talk about, but all of these, all of these terms we're going to be talking about either are heavy on works that God does or things that man does or 
you know, how man and God in are working in, in conjunction with each other to produce something. You know what I mean? So the, the doctrine of salvation is is a culmination of of all the things we've been talking about. Yeah, and, and I think it's really important. You know, many times when people list the primary doctrines and talk about it, they don't just say salvation, but they say a necessary salvation. Mm. It's important for us to remember this because of sin, salvation is necessary. 100%. Our state is damnation from yes. the point of birth. Yes. So uh, salvation is necessary. That's why it's so important. Yeah, the need, of, the need for salvation is the primary thing that you is the first thing, actually, maybe not primary, but it's the first thing you have to establish is, and hopefully after the two doctrines we talked about, anthropology and homartiology, there's a very clear argument that man cannot save themselves. Man is a sinner and man needs Jesus. And I think that's, the, so the need of salvation is, should be plain and clear for yep. all of us. Yep. So get us started. What What, what is the first So I decided, first I decided to just jump in the deep end and we're going to talk about the I've just got a list of words here, Dan, that need some kind of of defining and explanation because they're in the Bible. Some of them aren't in the Bible. Some of them aren't. But um, we're going to talk about terms first that like what's going on before salvation. So before salvation, and, and these are three big words. We'll start with the first three, election, foreknowledge, and predestination. Those aren't controversial. Are it's they? a rat at all. It's a, it's a, it's a rap. We're, we're done. <laughs> I am suddenly perked up. I'm listening very carefully. Yes, and, and so is every Calvinist on the planet. <laughs> or Arminian, depending or on where you are, fall. Well, that's or true. Molinist. Or like, Molinist. Don't leave us oh, out. We gotta, about the oh, open we yes. Oh, yes, yes <laughs> so now that you've opened a can of these worms, let's see if you can make a march so in order. Here, let me just say this. The words election or elect, the word foreknowledge and the word predestined are all in scripture. Yep. Okay. Like I'm not, I think I, I, unfortunately, when we hear these words, we instantly think of the most angry Calvinist blogger who's, you know, writing so eloquently on, you know, for their two people that are listening to them. Okay. Tell us how you really feel. <laughs> I I am I not I'm reformed. Like I, I I'm a Calvinist. I would I would call myself a Calvinist. All right. All right. But I wouldn't because I I mean I call you a Calvinist, but I wouldn't call myself <laughs> oh my a Calvinist <laughs> because I don't like labels like that. So yeah, and, and, and again, I've got to define the term. And it there's takes me 20 and minutes there's probably some Cal. There's probably a lot. Of, I would say 90 percent of the Calvinists would have issues with some of my beliefs. I'm a Spurgeonist. Oh, he just <laughs> oh. threw his card out. I'm a Spurgeonist. Why? Because he's Baptist. Well, is that why? That's certainly not a negative. <laughs> I I've always said I'm a I'm a sovereignist. You know. Oh oh now I haven't heard oh, that one that. before. Yeah, I'm a sovereignist. Yeah, you're pulling out a trump card. Well, I mean, I, again, I don't God like sovereign over. I don't I like it. terms. I grew up in a Calvinist. Well, you just called yourself a Calvinist. I know. I, well, if you're going to force me into a tribe, I wasn't forcing right. you. I okay. didn't even ask you. <laughs> we have to use labels because of the way language is. Yeah. Like it's just like we have to. Okay, I want you but to go I, back. I love Dan's point. This is so important. People are more complicated than the labels that we get. One hundred percent. We have to remember. Yeah. That. But I interrupted your explanation. What was? Yeah. What was? I just. I just think that there's a moderate way of understanding some of these Calvinist beliefs. I'm not a hyper Calvinist. Yeah. That I think when when you think of the angry Calvinist blogger, they're they're usually hyper Calvinists. Okay, and and I don't really want to spend a lot of time. I am on so this. nervous right now because I just know we're just going to get so much. No, we're not, Dan. Feedback because on here's it. the thing. Here's here's the thing that that I love about both of us. All right, because what I know about both of us is that we love 
people, we love to share the gospel with people. Mm. And we have opportunities all the time to do this. Yes. We are, I mean, I had a conversation yesterday, I had a conversation today when I was out talking to people about Jesus. You led someone to the Lord this past week. Mm. I mean, Dan, we here's what I have always said. I don't care what you believe if it doesn't lead to obedience. Mm. If point. you're if you're an Arminian and don't share the gospel, or if you're a Calvinist and don't share the gospel, then I don't care. You're disobedient. Yep. You're being disobedient. Mm. I, I want you to believe whatever you believe should lead to some kind of obedient behavior. Mm -hmm. And so <clears throat> if you're if you're a Calvinist and that your Calvinism makes you believe that basically, well, God will figure out a way to get the gospel to all those people he's chosen, mm -hmm. I'm sorry, but your your th that's bad theology. Yep. Okay, and if your Arminianism makes you so scared that that you know, unless you do something, you're freaking out every night, and unless you you got to tell someone, and you're motivated by fear, you got bad theology. Yeah. There's a, I, I just don't think these labels matter so much. They, but. they, they don't. You're, you're right, and and I do want to make a clarification. I think it's important. The reason I don't like to be called a Calvinist, even though I would subscribe to most of the tenets, yeah. is for the same reason I don't like to be called a fundamentalist. Because the, the the term is loaded. The ter well, not only the term is loaded, but the people who who scream loudest about holding that position or that uh, that label mm -hmm. are often truly obnoxious. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And 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 Very so that's funny. well, you're that's a little obnoxious. Well, oh, I'm <laughs> <laughs> and this has been my thoughts. <laughs> We haven't even gotten to my terms yet. Dan is easily in the top 10% of, of, of least annoying Calvinists no, yeah, I've ever no. spoken to. I, I'm just teasing. I appreciate that. I, I'm, I'm just teasing. You, you, but, but no, I, we all know that is a true statement. I hopefully to, I, I have at least a sense of you humor are, in my you are only You are only obnoxious to people that you know you can be obnoxious to. And that I love. And that yes. you love. Yeah, it's a way of hugging But it's people. a, it's a yes. loving obnoxiousness that we all enjoy. I love you, Paul. <laughs> Merry Christmas. You jerk. <laughs> Truly loves us so much. You can tell on this podcast. All right. So, so people are, so election foreknowledge and predestination, these are all terms that require some definition. Okay. And so, where we find, for example, where we find the doctrine of election is in Ephesians chapter one, verses three through six. And it's the idea that before the creation of the world, God chose those whom would be saved. Okay. Um, that's a very simple way of explaining that. Then you have foreknowledge. Foreknowledge is God's knowledge of all whom God will choose for salvation, or depending on what you believe about foreknowledge is God's knowledge of all who will believe it's foreseen faith. So there is, there is actually some interpretation into these terms that or I should say there's some meaning interpretation built into these terms of how you define them leads to the application of it. Right. So, and then, and then, predestined is the idea of the of the divine decree of salvation before creation. So, there's this idea that God did something before the creation of the world that He knew that there would need to be salvation for mankind. Do we all agree upon that? Yeah. I mean, everyone would agree, no matter where what tribe you're part of, that before the foundation of the world, before God made any creative act. There was a decree and will and plan of God for salvation. Most How likely. would you explain the difference between predestination and election? Because I would say predestined, I would go by the the actual decree. Does that mean so? You, so, so, so election you would say predestination is a general decree. 
election is a specific application of the decree. Yeah, election okay. is the, is the application of the predestination. Okay. Does that make sense? Yep. No. Well, <laughs> help me understand that. Like, say more about that. How, how how are you using those terms? How how, how does that make that that make sense <clears throat> together? I'm not. I'm not. I'm still not. There was the there was an act of God. The, the decree of God to save to save the elect. Mm -hmm. The election of mankind is the is the working out of the decree. Okay. Does that make sense? It's an ongoing. It's thing. an ongoing thing. That's helpful. And so, Thanks. yeah. The, the, but but they were both. Both the plan and the working out of the plan were prior to to creation. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, I most likely agree with that, but I'm not completely. <laughs> I haven't completely closed off open theism yet, but I, I think I'm going to end okay. up agreeing with. Okay, okay. So, and then foreknowledge really depends on where you align with. Where does God's decree in the in the uh, the choosing? How does the foreknowledge of God work into that? Yeah. So. What we have to understand, what we, what some theologians believe, is that God foresaw all whom would believe, and based on His foreknowledge, then chose. There are also some who believe that God's foreknowledge was only the foreknowledge of who He knew He would elect. It's not has nothing to do with what people would do. Does that make sense? Yes. Am I, did, did, mostly, that's quiet. Well, I, no. Well, the reason is because, and it's not the purpose of, the, of this podcast. So I'm, I've got all these questions. I'm squelching. <laughs> Why are you Be squelching them? Because it's not the purpose of our topic. Okay, and, right, and otherwise, okay. I'll take us down a rabbit hole of gargantuan oh, I love proportions. Dan rabbit holes. <laughs> Anyways, I mean, I mean, and if you think about the, you know, foreknowledge, First Peter chapter one verses one and two, you have you have this amazing verse in Acts chapter thirteen when. Peter and Barnabas are on their missionary journey and he's they're preaching to the Gentiles and it says this incredible line that all whom were appointed to salvation believed. That's a that's a really interesting term. That's an interesting phrase that's loaded to say all who were appointed to salvation believed. Man, yeah. that's that's a heavy that there's something there, okay? So, <clears throat> the whole idea is and this is where I fall in all of this, that I believe that – I think I've explained this in previous podcasts, so this is nothing new. When people want to get into this idea that God foreknew, then chose, mm -hmm. like either God foreknew the ones he wanted or he foreknew those who would believe, like that's basically the two options you have – but to me, I don't believe that foreknowledge, like, again, we try to, we're presupposing the, the mind of how the mind of man works on the mind of God. So, for example, when we kind of place our process thinking of, of us being like, okay, I'm going to gather the information and then make the decision, that all of a sudden God was in the same boat being like, okay, I got to work this thing out in my mind here. Like, oh, I see all these people that in, in his infinite omniscience was able to predetermine, oh, this person would be believe and this person would believe and this person would believe. And so those are the people I'm going to choose. Like, is that how it worked? Or is God in his infinite power and all, you know, and, you know, all, all knowingness, his foreknowledge works in conjunction with his decree. Does that make sense? There's no... 
There's no like God being like, oh, that. There's no, there's no discovery for God. So I think, I think the, the problem with both of, both of the foreseen faith view and the, the divine will view is that they take in, they, they're applying the way the mind of man works to the mind of God. And I think both of them get it wrong. Hmm. Both of them have to, and again, this is just, this is just Ben Rudolph. I think what we have to understand is that the way the, the mind of God is unsearchable. And so when he says there's foreknowledge and election and predestination, how he worked all of that out, I don't know. Like, but, but I don't believe that God learned anything and then did something. That's my whole thing. I don't think that God was just like, and I also don't believe this. I don't believe God was like, I'll choose you, but not you. I'm going to choose you, but not like, I don't believe that there was just that for not his foreknowledge of all things of what would happen in every single human beings. Like that was not absent of his mind when he chose, but I don't think he chose because of foreseen faith. Am I making things clear or are they muddy right now? Well, in your clarity, you're also opening, you know, Pandora's lots box of, of lots other of questions, doors, yeah. which... I think your statement that we have to be careful about superimposing the mind of man on the mind of God yeah. is 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 a clarifyingly profound statement mm-hmm. because I think we tend to do that. But for me, it causes me to reach the conclusion of it is impossible for me to understand the mind of God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And as such, then there are some things I just have to accept about God. I don't really need I don't really need to waste a lot of energy because it is not knowable. Yes. So so I guess that's where I often come down. I get so extremely weary about <laughs> of, of people who want to debate this. This We know what the Word of God says. 100%. We know what the Word of God says to do. Yeah. So let's get busy about doing it. And, you know, in 100 years, we'll all got it. We'll, we'll, we'll all have it. We'll understand. Yeah. I yeah. mean, when we get to heaven, we'll, we'll well, our minds— For me, it won't be 100 years, but— <laughs> <laughs> We will—one uh, day, there will be things that we understand about the— the workings of God prior to even the creation of the world, the working of his salvific plan working out, and not only individually, but over the course of human history, that there's going to be a lot of things that we see yeah, much more clearly. Yeah. We, we do not have our theology worked out nearly I, as, I guess the, sufficiently as we yeah, think we do. I, I guess the biggest thing is I just don't like when people are like, I don't believe in election. I'm like, it's in the Bible, man. Yeah. Like, I, at some, I, I don't yeah. care like – how you, I guess I do care how you interpret it, but but if you just say, I don't believe that God chose, I'm sorry, it says God chose. Yeah, and and sometimes people say say what they don't mean. They really should be saying, I don't understand election. That would be the accurate thing. Right. I don't understand how it works. Or I, and I but I do believe it exists because and, God said it exists. Or how do I justify the love of God and the desire of God to see where it says, you know, God does not desire for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. Mm-hmm. How do I, how do I, synergize the passages of Ephesians 1, Romans chapter 9, Romans chapter 10, where this idea of God elects, God chooses, God desires. What is your answer to that? That's basically (laughs) the question I've been wanting to ask, is what do you do with 1 Timothy? I I think you, I do believe that there is a desire that God, yeah, he does desire for all to come to repentance. But again, God also knows this, that in order to allow God's greatest desire is for there to be love between him and his creation and for his glory to be magnified, mm-hmm. okay, in all creation. And in order to have love, you have to have some, at some level, the person, there's there's a decision involved. There's a will involved, yes. okay? And 
again, we're getting into the the microbial decision makings of how, you know, we, we haven't even gotten into regeneration of of what happens first, regeneration or faith. The work of God to regenerate us, to make us new creations, is a work of God. The work of faith is the work of man to say, shouldn't say it's the act of man to say, I'm placing my faith and trust in Jesus. There's, there are the theolo- Theologians have debated this for millennia of what happens first. Does regeneration or faith happen first? Does God regenerate us so that we can have faith, or do we have faith and then God regenerates us? Okay, Those are all things that, man, it is a very complex thing that here we are, 2023, we're just three guys in a room talking about this, and we still don't have definitive answers because we're not on the other side, and we're not God. All I know is that God regenerates us, and we have to have faith. Yeah, and everything about us is limited, down to the words we use. We, we struggle to try to find the most accurate word, but even then we're left knowing that that word does not fully encompass yeah. what that term means. Yeah. And and that's part of the frustrating thing about studying God. Mm. There is no way we can the words do not exist. The time is not available. Yeah. Uh, you know, and our ability to comprehend or communicate it is not within our, has not been assigned to us. Mm. So all we're doing is polishing, you know, one tiny fraction of a very large complex yeah. diamond. Yeah. yeah. And, so, and, and that, that ought to keep us humble. Yeah. And, and ought to, and, and help us to avoid using inflammatory yes. dogmatic language yeah. as we try to explain yeah. it. Yeah, the yes. two words two words I would just say as we close our time here today is you said it, humility and obedience. These these doctrines of salvation that are kind of pr- prior to creation, election, foreknowledge, predestination, they should really make us worship, they should make us humbled um and and we should always they should we should always continue to be obedient to the Great Commission. These are not terms that should make us say, well, throw them up the hands. God's going to save whoever he wants. It doesn't matter what I do. That's not how, That's not the proper application of understanding these doctrinal terms. The, the do, These doctrinal terms are to give us the faith and the courage and the confidence that no matter what environment I walk into, I can trust God, that he's, that he's the one in charge of when that person accepts Christ. I don't have to convince them. I don't have to work to be like, oh, it's up It's up to you to make sure that everyone hears. No. I mean, I'm going to be responsible. Uh, I'm going to take responsibility for the opportunities God gives me, but I'm not going to beat myself over the head to make sure that I force this person to believe. Yeah. So anyways. And God gives us the knowledge, exactly enough knowledge to be able to accomplish what he needs us to do, to be reconciled with him. Well, so we're doing the Doctrine 101. This has been Soteriology (laughs) 1A. <laughs> we've got at least probably four. One, or 1.01. 1. We, we've, we've got at least three more. Yeah. At oh, least yeah, three yeah, more in, our, in, in the do. Way, way, way <laughs> longer list of items. But I hope, I hope this, you know, this is a primary. It's an essential doctrine. It is, it is important that we take our time, meander through it, so that you have a working knowledge of the available terms and so yeah. forth. So that's why we're doing this. As always, we appreciate you listening to us here at Life Talks as we work out our own salvation, even live in front of you, um, because the mystery and wonder of God just drives us deeper mm-hmm. to worship and to want to know him. So thanks as always for listening. You can always contact us at Life... Uh, what is it again? I always miss Life it. Talks at Life Charlotte. <laughs> Hopefully they can get at this. <laughs> you, can al- you can always contact us at lifetalks at lifecharlotte.com. And until next time, thanks as always for joining us here at Life Talks. 
You've been listening to Life Talks. Be sure to hit the subscribe button so you never miss a new episode. Share this podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to let your friends and family know about Life Talks. We'd love to hear from you as well, so leave a comment and let us know your thoughts on this episode or any other topics we've discussed. Life Talks is a ministry of Life Fellowship in Cornelius, North Carolina. For more information on Life Talks or Life Fellowship, visit lifecharlotte.com or you can find us on Facebook at Life Fellowship Charlotte.